Welcome to the What's Literacy Got to Do With It podcast, a podcast for exploring all things literacy in Quebec and beyond. Literacy is more than knowing how to read and write. It's also about empowering each other and yourself to thrive throughout all aspects of our lives. We're your hosts, Jamie Cudmore and Chris Shee. Let's get to it. Everybody. Welcome everybody, we're back for season 7, episode 3. How you doing well, Jamie? I'm great Chris, this is the What's Literacy Got To Do With It podcast and how are you? It sure is, and I'm very good and I'm super excited to intro our special, special guest today. I don't know whether you want to start us off and uh, introduce our guest. Sure. But, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm shaking with excitement. <laughs> yeah, it's quite an episode. So to celebrate International Drag Day, July 16th, which is the day this episode drops, we have Chris and our very own Margot Legault, the Executive Director of Literacy Quebec, sitting down with your very own auntie and drag queen extraordinaire. Oh my God. Amazing. Oh my God, Chris. Oh my God. So. Listen, Uma came in and collaborated with us at Literacy Quebec and she is hosting Drag Storytime on Mondays uh, until the 2nd of, of August, which has been phenomenal. So Uma basically is reading grown-up books with no images. They are uh, all age-friendly and each Monday, Uma will read a book from a different genre. Whether you are an avid reader or never opened a book before, Uma will help you discover the joys of reading books beyond those dusty classics. You can tune in to Drag Storytime on Facebook Live, so just go to Uma's page or Literacy Quebec's page. And you can also join us on a Zoom call for that more personal one-on-one -on -one experience with Uma and uh, a Q&A after the, the story time. So awesome. So exciting. You can find those links in our show notes. But first in this conversation today, Chris gets quizzed by Margot and Uma yeah. on his drag literacy. Oh, we learn what <laughs> is reading and we learn what it also can mean and why beating your mug isn't so bad. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's pretty great. We talk about the connection between literacy service providers and drag performers and helping to build connection and confidence throughout communities. So like I said, check out our show notes to find out how you can join in the next story time with Uma and upcoming performances from the House of God. So Chris, are you ready to spill the tea? I sure am. Let's get to it. Welcome, oh my God, to What's Literacy Got to Do With It? We are stoked to have you on. How are you? I'm doing great today. Thank you so much for having me. We, we've been so excited, haven't we, Margot, to have Uma on uh, the podcast and we're uh, recording today and we're going to be on, uh, on our YouTube channel plus our audio channel with the podcast. So like I said, we're wrapped to have you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And for those who are listening in, you can't see it, but we're actually sporting our, oh my God, swag right now. And we're wearing the t-shirts the that say, God bless. <laughs> God bless. That's that's from me to you. God bless. <laughs> they are amazing. I tell you. <laughs> that's great. So we thought we'd kick off the podcast with a fun little game because a lot of people who, you know, don't watch drag race or don't go to drag shows or don't know a drag queen sometimes don't understand the words that are being used or, you know, so we thought we would kick it off with a little drag dictionary. 
So okay. Um, <laughs> so I can, I have a few expressions, and then I'm sure you can add some in. And we're gonna see if Chris Chris will just have a uh, you know a stab at what he thinks it means, and then you can let him know what it actually. Means. Oh, so we're we're not quizzing me. Okay, I like this now. <laughs> this is a lot more fun. I get to watch someone else squirm. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna put Chris on the spot. He's usually the one in control hosting the Thanks, podcast. But <laughs> All right, great. So, Chris, the first thing you might not know is that drag queens love to read. So, what do you think that means? Oh, you know what? I I think that this is about kind of dissing the other person, kind of grilling them, roasting them. I, I think that's what it means. What, what, what does the textbook say over there, Margo? Oh, I was hoping you could let us know. <laughs> oh, I thought, well, I didn't, I didn't want to step on anyone's toes. I thought, you know, if you had taken your notes, I wasn't going to be like, well, you did all that work now. Hush up. No. Um, you're the no so, yeah, you're, you're not that far off. Yeah. Reading is like, we're usually doing it. We, it usually, I'm going to say usually comes from a place of kind of like camaraderie. I don't want to give away anything else that we want to talk about in a podcast. Okay. Throw Perfect. some shade. Chris, what do you think that means? Can, can you repeat the question, please? Throw shade. Oh, that means throwing a, a, a cloth over your, your head, a wet cloth over your head on a hot. I'm going to give you points for creativity, originality, and confidence, but that is not even close. So throwing shade uh, is related to reading. So if you think of one coming from the other, so you start with a read, which like you said, it's a little bit of like, you know, when we're, we're, we're ribbing each other, you know, like that's kind of reading. But if you throw shade, throwing shade is like the next level. And uh, again, I can go into a little bit more in detail later if you want, but I can tell you that you are uh, way off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, next. Spill the tea. Oh, that that would that would hurt. That that would hurt number one, because I'm guessing tea is hot. Although on a hot day you have iced tea, spilling the tea means sharing your closest personal thoughts with your comrade, with your with your partner in crime. You know, that's that's what spilling the tea means. Okay, that was actually pretty good. So you're right, it would, it, sometimes tea can hurt. When you spill the tea, sometimes it can hurt. So basically tea is like, you see it spelled different ways, but you know, often it's T-E-A, but it comes from the letter T and it's the truth. So spilling the tea wow. is telling the truth. So when you want to, when you want to get together with your, with your good, with your good girlfriends, your good, you know, friend, friends, your Judy's, we call them. When you want to spill the tea, you're going to tell all the hot gossip. You're going to be telling everything is going to be the truth. No holds barred. Love it. The T with a capital T. Exactly. All right. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. We got a tough one for you, Chris. Beat that mug. Oh, beat that mug. Now, you know, beat that mug. Normally when you get called the mug, you know, you're kind of like a, a baddie, someone who's not, not that kind. So it's kind of getting a little bit physical with someone who, you know, isn't that nice. 
you know what? In most other communities, you would be correct. Okay, because if you're going to beat anything, usually it's not a good thing. But in drag, <laughs> beating your mug or beating someone's mug is about putting on makeup. So your mug is your face and you're beating it. But the reason we say that is because like drag makeup, there is nothing gentle about it. Even when it looks <laughs> nice and soft, it was a fight to get there. Okay. So we call it beating your mug because a lot of drag queens, I don't have one, but a lot of drag queens, when they use their setting powder, they have one of those giant powder puffs. And when they use it, it goes path, 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 path. So you're beating, it sounds like you're beating your mug. And even sometimes with your sponges, you know, it kind of sounds like blah, 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 like you're being slapped all over. <laughs> so beating your mug is putting on your makeup. Wow, that's a tough one. Thank you for clarifying. I and look, I'm I'm sorry that yeah, definitely no violence. You know, in terms of being, it was, it's certainly beating beating your mug is is a lot better in drag than in other communities. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Thank you. Oh, that's thank you for clarifying. That's wonderful. The last one I have is cooking or baking your makeup. What do you think? Cooking that? or baking your makeup. Cooking or baking your makeup. Gosh, that cooking or baking your makeup. So cooking, you're normally on the stove. Baking, you're in the oven. I guess um, it, it's it's baking your makeup would be you know getting in the in the right temperature in order for your makeup to be spot on and just perfect. And then cooking it would be jazzing it up. Would be just going like to town on on your makeup. Like bam. Okay. You know what? Yes, So cooking and baking are going to be pretty much the same thing. Cooking and baking. Now, what it what it generally means is that you are you've put down your foundations and you're powdering. And the reason we call it baking is because what you do is you take a lot of powder, like a lot of powder, and you're putting it all over your face in strategic places. And then you put on a lot of it and you let it sit and it, we call it baking or, you know, letting your makeup cook because the heat from your body softens up your foundation. Then you put on all of this powder and it kind of like bakes together and then it sets your powder real thick, tight and like that way your makeup will not move. So that's what we call baking. But sometimes, even if you're not using a lot of powder, we'll still call it baking. Or you're like, you're, when you're taking your time on your makeup, you're letting it cook. You're letting, you're kind of like seeing where it's going to go. What's the process? You're letting it sit in the oven. Your yeast is rising. I don't know. I don't bake. I, I'm, I'm here to look pretty and eat, not to, not to prepare the food. But in drag, that's generally what it means. So it's a way of putting on your setting powder real thick and heavy. And it looks like there's flour everywhere. There you go. Well, that's all I got. I don't know if there's any you want to add, but Chris, you're you're off the hook. I think you did pretty good. Very creative. I I applaud I applaud your creativity and uh, like I said, the commitment that because I noticed that you said uh, it is when you are you know putting on your you told us what it was you committed to the to the idea. I admire that. Good work. Thank you. Thanks, you guys. I appreciate it. I, I, I was, I, I had a crack. <laughs>
Well, I, like, thank you for that. Drag literacy is, you know, like it, it's great to learn these, these terminologies and learn about the different lingo that you use. It's amazing. So thanks for sharing. And Margot, thanks for the questions. So let's get straight into it. So tell us the attraction to drag. What's the attraction to drag? You know what? If you ask, you know, there's that, that it's like that cliche classic saying, if you ask 10 drag queens why they do drag, you're going to get 12 different answers. Everyone has a different reason for doing drag. When I was younger, when dinosaurs roamed the earth, uh, (laughs) I actually had no interest in doing drag whatsoever. Part of that was internalized homophobia and just kind of like femme phobia. I didn't want to be seen as like a girly guy or anything like that. I got into drag because a friend of mine that I had done a play with, we did the Rocky Horror Show. Uh, at the Mainline Theater here in Montreal. I played Rocky. And then the person that was playing Frankenfurter is a a drag queen named Connie Lingua. And she said, I want to do a play. I said, I'm not really interested in doing drag. And she said, but we'll do it for a play. So you're going to do it. You'll do it for the like the the 11 shows that we're going to do. And then you can never, then you'll never have to do it again. And I said, okay, well, that makes sense. You know, I don't have to worry too much about it. And it's not just, you know, flapping my lips around and trying to look sexy. Cause I don't think I'm like, I'm not, I'm not a sexy drag queen. So I got into it for the theater. And then when I started doing it, I just fell in love. I just was so happy to, to be on stage in front of people. And I found out I'm real good at it. It also confronted me with a lot of stuff about my internalized misogyny and homophobia. And it, it made me feel better about my, those parts of me that I was ashamed of. So I figured if people are going to say that I'm a, if I'm a sissy, if I'm too girly, well, I'm going to be the best damn girl you ever seen. So there you go. That's what, that's where it started. Beautiful. I decided that when I went into it, I went into it as a theatrical exercise. I said, who is this character that I'm building? Because Uma is a character. She has a name. She has a voice. I don't sound like this all the time. She has her preferences and, and she has a whole history that I've written a, a play about. The whole thing there. And that's the way that I went into it was to say, who is this character that I'm building? And when I did that, I had to think a lot about gender. I had to think a lot about expression. I had to think about, you know, all these different aspects of myself that I really confronted during the process of getting into drag. And so that's why it was liberating for me. And for a lot of drag artists, it's kind of the same thing. You know, it's this feeling of like society tells feminine men or masculine women or people who are non-binary that don't look a certain way. They tell them that they should be ashamed of those parts of themselves. And then we get on stage and we get to emulate our favorite parts of pop culture, whether they are actresses or actors or singers, uh, dancers, comedians, movie characters, cartoon characters, whatever it is. We get onto the stage. We get to emulate these parts of ourselves that people said that we should be ashamed of. And we're, we're applauded for it. So we get to feel great about these things that people said, that's no good. And you're like, oh, really? Watch me. And they can't help but fall in love. They can't help but clap. It's so empowering to be in drag. So uh, I think that's the draw for a lot of people. It's amazing. And I feel so connected to you. You know, people with gaps in their teeth need to stick together. You know what? I got my, I got the gap in my teeth from my grandmother. Uh, (laughs) She left it in my purse and I decided to keep it. (laughs) brilliant me me too me too (laughs) i I think it's beautiful 
When I was little, my grandmother, I used to say to her, I love the gap in your teeth. I wish I had one just like that. And she'd say, no, 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 you don't. And so when I started doing drag, I put my gap in and I did it for her. We have a play that was by the House of Laureen, which is my drag family. We've changed the name now to the House of God. But back then we were the House of Laureen and we have a play all about getting into drag. So the play happens backstage at a drag show. And my grandmother came to see the show. She was there on the front row, right in front of me. And I got to put my gap in because it's makeup. Shh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> it's a secret. But I put my gap in and I was right in front of her. And I got to have that nice little moment of like, this is for you. This is, this is for us. So I love, that's part of the reason why I have, I got no eyebrows because of her and a big gap. <laughs> That's brilliant. Thanks for sharing it. I, that's what I mean. We have to stick together, us gappy, gappy people. Exactly. So, wonderful. You know, what you were saying about messages from society, like there's, there's so many uh, parallels with people with low literacy, you know, that they're told they're, that they can't do certain things because of this and that. And, and they come to the literacy centers and, and they're just so empowered. And then they're told like, you can do these things. And it's, I feel like there's so many parallels and they feel so freed once they they're able to do things that they thought were so difficult or that they were told that they weren't able to do. And and they have so many other qualities. They've, they've developed other skills that should be celebrated and, I just see so many parallels. And so if anyone ever says like, why do you have a drag queen on a literacy podcast? <laughs> well, you the know, thing is, is that for a lot of people, drag artists, not just drag queens, because there's drag kings, there are drag things, there are drag, there's drag royalty, drag creatures. There's all kinds of expressions of gender and personality that come out in drag. But in the history of drag, a lot of people see drag artists as like community leaders and part of that community is often reaching out to those outcasts those people that don't feel like they belong and creating that space for them so often a lot of the times when drag artists do shows for kind of like organizations in our community so whether it's you know uh head and hands or AIDS community care montreal or you know any of those places the people that work at these organizations, they often feel like we really see each other because we're so used to finding the people that are hiding in the corner. And we're, we're so used to trying to draw them out and bring them in and show them like, you can have a good time. You can be successful. You can be the center of attention. You can feel good about who you are. So like a lot of the times it does happen that way where we're, we're, we're all in this kind of like a community leader position and we're just there to make people feel good. Yeah, and I, I think you all carry such a great message of diversity and inclusion. I mean, whether you choose to do that or not, you know, it's, it just sort of, I guess, comes with the territory. Yeah, it's fantastic. And it's, it's, it's like, you know, they say, like, be the change that you want to see in the world. That's pretty much it. Like, mm. Exactly. Really, it's fantastic. I mean, so much color. Imagine, imagine the world with no, no drag, you know. What world would it be? Wouldn't be, wouldn't um, be one at all. <laughs> I, I really, I mean, honestly, well, I am a full-time drag artist now. So my, my qualifications in life, I'm an early childhood educator, qualified early childhood educator. I worked in daycares and preschools for a very long time until I decided to go full-time in drag. 
So like my life would be very different without drag. I would be uh, in a whole different field doing very different stuff. As much as sometimes, you know, working with people in the public can feel like you're training a toddler. Uh, <laughs> it's not exactly the same. <laughs> I guess that's a a great segue into story hour. Oh, yes, absolutely. Tell us about your story time that you hosted and and what's it about? Well, the the drag story time kind of uh, the movement, I'll say, was started in the U.S., and uh, the first person that decided to really make a thing out of it, the the first story that they read was The Coat of Many Colors by Dolly Parton. Which okay. is a really wonderful story. So from the and it's a political story because the the code of many colors is kind of about accepting who you are. Because Dolly wrote this song from the point of view of, of herself as a little kid with her her jacket full of patches, and people thought like it's covered in patches, it makes you look poor. But she thought to herself, no, it makes me look colorful and fabulous, and every one of my little patches means something and comes from somewhere. And that was one of the first stories that happened at Drag Story Time. And I think that's just such a wonderful expression of what drag story time is about. Because it's not just about having drag artists read stories to children. It's about showing people that drag artists are implicated in our community in a way beyond seeing us in a bar. It's showing people that children are ready to hear about all kinds of different ideas and points of view. You just have to find the right language to use for them. So like storybooks and fabulous characters and all kinds of things like that, that's, that's what Drag Story Time is about. It's about finding the, the content for children that means something and that can really teach them. And so when I started doing Drag Story Time, I've done one or two in person. I was actually invited to a children's birthday party one time to just hang out with the family and then read a couple of stories, which I thought was fabulous. But when the pandemic started, I knew that there was a lot of families that were kind of, they were at home. I was, I mean, I'm a preschool teacher. So I know that there's a lot of families at home at the beginning of the pandemic that were going, what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And so I started reading stories online. I did, I, I think I did about eight or 10 editions just reading to people on Facebook, we chose some fabulous books and I would talk to the kids in the audience. They would, they would send messages to us and we would ask them questions. And uh, yeah, that's, you know, that's kind of where we're at. Wow. And, and have you seen some positive impact of these kids that you're, you're reading to in doing that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we tried to pick books that were meaningful to the situation. So, for instance, in one of the first ones, we read a book called Le Grand Méchant Rhum, which is The Great Big Nasty Cold. (laughs) And it's a book that teaches all about germs and microbes and washing your hands and how to take care of yourself when you're sick. Because a lot of kids were saying that they were... They heard that people were getting sick, but like, you don't know what that means. Yeah. What's mm-hmm. a germ? Why do I have to wash my hands? So we try to make it contextual. But then the next story that I read was called The Crazies, which is a really fabulous book about uh, a little girl named Iggy who has to stay inside because it's raining. And she stays inside for so long that she starts to get the crazies. And the crazies are kind of like these these little monsters that show up in her house and they start doing nasty, terrible things like 
you know, <laughs> juggling with eggs and, and balancing the fishbowl on their heads and eating all the food and squeezing the toothpaste out of the toothpaste tube. <laughs> and she's going cuckoo crazy banana pants. But then, you know, she, she has to keep control of the crazies. And then finally, when she gets outside, they disappear. And I knew that there was a lot of kids that were feeling very constrained. They, they, they weren't allowed yeah. to go outside. Their parents were afraid to go to the park. And so I, we wanted to give them the vocabulary to talk about what they were feeling and doing it with kind of like, I call myself a, a clown made of couch cushions. Because <laughs> in drag, we do padding made out of cushions. But so I'm, you know, I'm a clown reading a book that gives them special words. So you know that they're paying attention, but they're learning. And that's the whole fabulous side of drag story time. It's so cool. It's, it's so good. In fact, it's amazing you just mentioned Dolly Parton because we just had the Dolly Parton Imagination Library on the podcast. Do you know about Dolly Parton's Imagination? I love I'm, them. Uh, love them. <laughs> it's, it is. It's phenomenal. And uh, Dolly, as you say, just the attitude she has of, of that, you know, patch about the story and the wisdom and, and that, that makes up, it's not about, it wasn't poverty, wasn't even in, in her mind, was it? It was, it was colours and the, the story and the journey. And you've mentioned about your story, you've shared with us amazing, amazing background on. I was going to ask you, ask you, Uma, where does your accent come from? Uh, my mouth. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so my accent, it's a very muddled accent. It's inconsistent because it's part of playing pretend. I love, I love accents. Even when I was a little kid, uh, I used to sit with a tape recorder. Remember those? Uh, tape recorder. And I would record myself doing radio shows. And I would just talk to myself. And the thing is, there was no script. I had no idea what I was talking about. Really, it was just an opportunity for me to practice accents. So the accent that I have right now, it's yes, it's kind of a joke. The, and the idea was when I started uh, performing in drag, well, you were talking earlier about, you know, reading and, and tea and shade and all of those things. And sometimes there is some drag artists that kind of like make a personality of the, the, the harsher side of those terms. And they kind of end up being a little bit mean. Unfortunately, because what happens with a lot of uh, marginalized communities, but I'll talk about, you know, the, the LGBT community is that we end up getting bullied as children, you know, for being who we are. So, you know, whether you're a young girl who's getting teased because they, she plays sports or if you're, a, you know, a trans person, you get bullied for who you are. And then a lot of gay boys, they, they they're seen as sissies. And so they get made fun of. Well, then they turn 18, they get into a club. They go to the bar, they start doing drag, and now all of a sudden, they are the queen. And so they kind of become bullies themselves. It's unfortunate, but it does happen in our community. You know, mm. we finally find that power within ourselves to feel good about ourselves, even though someone said not to feel good. And it comes out in a, in a kind of a vengeful way. And when I started performing, I really didn't want that to happen. Mm. And so uh, I really went out there to try to be as nice as I possibly could. I said, I'm not going to be a sexy drag queen. I know I'm not going to because I don't feel that way, but I want to be a nice drag queen and I want to make people feel good. So Uma is everybody's favorite unofficial auntie. So I wanted right. everyone to feel like if they were going to run away from home, they were going to come to Uma's house. <laughs> 
Perfect. And part of that was referencing a bunch of different performers. So there's parts of Uma that are made up from, you know, my grandmother's, my mother, uh, my godmother, who was Auntie Anne. So that's why I'm Auntie Uma. And then part of it was also that there was a TV show called Bobby's World. No one remembers it, but it was Howie Mandel had a cartoon and the character was a little boy. And his mother was from, you know, from Minnesota, probably. And I always found her accent to be so heartwarming and so charming and so lovely. And I thought, you know what? That's the voice. That's the, Summer's just around a G-Golly corner there, don't you know? So that's kind of where it came from. And I just rolled with it. I'm being creative and having fun. I'm playing a funny character. Why not have a funny voice? Oh, yeah. It's brilliant. Hey, Uma, I was going to ask you, where, where do you think this bullying comes from? Why do young people or people in general feel this need to bully somebody who isn't like them or whatever? Where does it stem from? You know what? Honestly, it comes a lot from fear, I think, because the thing is, is uh, I mean, I've worked in preschools, so I have heard the you're not coming to my birthday party. Why do you have glasses? You know, all of the things that you're, mm. you think a kid might make fun of somebody for, whether it's because of the color of their skin or because they have glasses or, you know, the fact that they're the, the size of the clothing that they wear or because they're tall or they're short. All the things that you think children will make fun of each other for, all of it happens. But here's the thing I'm going to tell you. Even if they're not making fun of you for those things, they're making fun of you for something else. Children see things that they don't understand, things that they, they identify as different, and there's, they don't know what to do with it, and so they lash out. So even if children were not making fun of each other because of the color of their skin or because they're, you know, a little boy is effeminate or any of those things, they would make fun of you for something else. Your teeth mm. are crooked. I don't like what you have in your lunchbox. You're wearing a funny color on your T-shirt. Uh, you don't listen to the right music. You listen to the same music as everyone else. And I'm going to make fun of you for that. Like children will always find a way to make fun of somebody because they're afraid. They don't know how to, they don't know how to take in a difference, recognize the value of it. And then like express their confusion or their interest even in a healthy way. And that's one of the things that, that drag story time is really great for as well is that we are trying to, one, expose children to a whole panoply of different kinds of people, whether it's gender or sexuality, whether we're talking about disabilities, if we're talking about race or class or any of these things, they all come up with children. Mm. And drag is a great barrier breaker for that. But also we're trying to give them the words. Ideally, like if, if a drag artist is really implicated in their, their drag story time, you should be trying to teach children the words to use when they have questions, when they see differences, but also the words that they can use inside their head to say like, wait, what's going on? I see that this is different. What does that mean for me? And they, that way they can learn to do these things on their own because a lot of fear expresses itself negatively. And that's really where it comes from. They just don't know better. Right. Thanks for explaining that. That's very powerful. You know, as, as a parent as well and as an adult with kids, 
it's it's important to learn that ourselves, isn't it? Absolutely. And I, I think that also, I, I mean, not to make myself sound like I'm changing the world. I mean, I am, but I'm, I'm not oh, supposed to say it. <laughs> but even when we're doing story time, I can tell you the looks on the parents' faces when they are sitting there with their children, because I love when the parents stay for story time. But when they do, you can see them going, huh. You know, like it's we're we're changing the world by by helping children, but also it changes everything for the parents as well. So I think that it's just it's such a fabulous little thing that we're doing. And I and I love that. And obviously I have a special connection to it because I was a, a preschool teacher. You know, I know how powerful story time can be. And that's why I love doing it. Wow. I can't wait to get you on uh, and see this uh, storytelling hour myself. Yeah. How does someone come up with their drag name? <laughs> Fabulous little question for, for you, because like, I know that you're promoting literacy, right? And one of the things that's really fantastic about drag names is that so many of them are really bad puns. <laughs> so a pun, it's like a play on words. So you're taking something that sounds similar, but you're turning it into a name. And that's how a lot of people will get their drag names. Not all of them, because you have people that are named, you know, Honey Davenport or, oh, I don't know, any of these, you know, Nasha Lopez. These are, they sound like people names, right? Yeah. But a lot of drag artists have really funny pun names. So my name, in case there's anyone that didn't quite catch it, I'm Uma Gad. Because when I walk into a room, the first thing everyone thinks is, oh my God. (laughs) Yes. So yes, you know, that's the pun, but you can get all kinds of really silly puns. Actually, uh, online, one of the, the, like my favorite things is watching drag artists give out free drag names. Anytime we think of a funny wordplay, we put it on the internet and we just say free drag name. And then it's like a terrible pun. Like one of my favorite ones, and it's a bilingual one, but it's Barb Apapa. Barbapapa yes. is how you say cotton candy in French. That's true. Brilliant. And like, like instead, and like if you're if you're a, a Latinx drag performer, Juan two three. <laughs> you see, so we've got some really great ones that like in the drag community. They're just so funny. But that's uh, that's one of the ways. So something that you can do as a fun little like word game is to try to turn different names into or different words into names. Like there's another really, really great one. So, you know, this, you know, the grocery store IGA. Yes. yes. Well, there's a drag queen whose name is, so in French it's IGA and her name is IGN. Like (laughs) IGN. I love it. I think it's so funny. Brilliant, brilliant. So our next members meetup, we will ask everyone to come up with their <laughs> their drag name, which will probably have a pun in it, probably, since, you know, they're you know, all practitioners. <laughs> these are the people that should be naming us. <laughs> this is what should be happening. You, you all should be coming up with some fantastic names for all of us because, well, I mean, like we get real good at it. You know, you, you sit around and watch movies or just like you're eating, you're eating dinner and all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, welcome to the stage, quesadilla. <laughs> like, 
beautiful. That's a that's a magic. I, I, we have to do this. We have to get Omar God to come in and and uh, at one of our member meetups, and uh, we can put this in part of our literacy program for adult learners. It'll be fantastic. I think, and you know what? If they, if you if you feel like people are like, I don't know, that seems weird. I'm never going to do drag. Just tell them that they're coming up with a children's author pen name. Like when they release their first children's book, they're going to be like they're going to sign it as Barb Appapop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, it could work for anybody. Just puts a smile on everybody's face and it just makes it makes it all worthwhile. It's amazing. Beautiful. So well, thanks for explaining where where these these brainstorming sessions behind the names come from. It's it's great. Do you want to leave us with any final thoughts? Is there any any other topics you want to uh, debate or discuss? Well, you know what? You asked me earlier on, and I wasn't sure if you were going to bring it up later, so I didn't want to give yep. away, you know, I didn't want to I didn't want to spoil it all. But you had asked me a little bit about, because, you know, when people think of drags, they think of reading, and you are a literacy podcast, but I wanted to let everyone know kind of what that's all about, a little bit more detail. So basically reading, if you think about it, you were right. You said that it kind of like a ribbing, you know, a little bit of like a, a playful, a playful cutting comment here and there. Now, the thing is, is that, again, uh, a lot of drag artists were queer kids. And what we have is something called chosen family. So a lot of people who, you know, they've been left out from their families, they've been kicked out, they, they've left their families behind for different reasons. So a lot of queer people come together and they support each other like a real family does. Sometimes it's with housing, with money, with contacts, with, you know, therapy basically we treat mm. each other like family and in the drag scene we have something that's called drag families and these families are based on an idea that comes out of the new york city ball culture so ball culture is a whole other thing but i can suggest that you look up the movie now it's not for it's not for kids so i don't want anyone to go into it thinking that it's something that it isn't it's a documentary about queer people who grow up in new york in the 80s and there is a whole culture there that heavily, heavily, heavily influenced drag culture. Now, when these people were coming together, a lot of them were trans, a lot of them were people of color, you know, very marginalized people. They would come together, they would live in houses, actual houses together sometimes. And one of the things that they would do was called reading. And the idea was that the world is going to be cruel. The, rule, the world is going to say nasty things about you and to you. You better get used to it. And so as a way of defending themselves, they would read each other so that you would get good at defending yourself. So if someday someone on the street said something nasty to you, you could turn around and snap off a, a comeback like that and you would be able to protect yourself a little bit more. And also right. it helped you develop a thicker skin. So that's where reading comes from. Now, if you think about reading, it's like if I look at you and tell you that your dress is kind of ugly. It's right there in front of me. It's like I'm reading it out of a book. I can look at the book and I read it. Your, your dress is ugly. But <laughs> okay. shade, shade is, all, is like the evolution of reading. Now, shade is like, you know, sometimes you're standing in the shade and you don't even know it. Yes. That's what that's about. So shade is when you are reading somebody, but it is so graceful and so well done that everyone in the room knows what you said, but you didn't even have to say it. So 
in the terms, instead of saying, I think that your dress looks like you're like, instead of looking at someone saying, I, I think you're dressed like a clown, you could look at them. And if you wanted to be real shady, you could look at them and go, oh, well, you know, I see that you, you know, you're, you've got a new dress on tonight. If you want, next time I can come with you and, and I'll show you where the nice dresses are. <laughs> So it sounds like you're being friendly, but really what you just said is that outfit is a disgrace. (laughs) So that's the difference between reading and shade. Reading is like the pages of a book. Shade, it's like you're casting shade on someone. They might not even realize it if they're not bright enough. (laughs) So it's a little bit different literacy. It's a different kind of literacy, but it definitely keeps your brain sharp. (laughs) Thanks for sharing that because... Look, like you say, that tough skin that come back for, unfortunately, fortunately, you you got to protect yourself uh, out there and and against uh, people who have the fear, and uh, and you know you know kudos to to you and the drag families. I mean, it's you need each other, don't you? You need each other. Stick stick together and protect each other. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And it's you know I don't I don't even know if I named the documentary I was talking about. So that's Paris is burning. Okay. It's a beautiful, it's very sad in some parts. It's very hopeful and celebratory in other parts. It's a very, very topical right now because it talks about the Vogue community, which is very popular right now in a lot of ways. You've got Pose and Legendary on, on TV and, you know, Drag Race gets influenced by it a lot. So this is a great place that you can learn more about drag culture. These are places that influenced our entire way of life. And now when we do reading, often it's always... Reading often is in good fun. You do it with your good girlfriends, your Judies, as we call them. And uh, you, you're just trying to rib each other and have a good time. It all, but it does help when someone's not being a very good Judy. Well, I know what I'm going to say to you. It helps you practice. So it comes from a, a kind of a tough, sad place. But sometimes it turns into the most hysterical thing you've ever heard. And it makes everybody have a great time backstage. And so it's just kind of one of those things where, you know, our queer community has always found a way to thrive and survive and, and do so much with all the, the bad hands that we've been dealt, whether it's learning how to take an art form that where people said you shouldn't be happy about doing this and saying, oh, I will be more than happy. I will be more than happy. I will be successful, fabulous and wonderful. And you're going to clap. You know, that's what drag is all about. That's, yeah. Yeah. Spilling this tea. I love it. Exactly. So Uma, you said that you are with the house of God. Are you the are you the mother of the house? Do you have drag children? I do have drag children. It's very complicated. <laughs> because the, the the house of God is technically it's the name of our production company. So because the house of God were were before we were anything, we were a theater troupe. When we were called the House of Laureen, we were still a theater troupe. And in that troupe was like a family, but it was the name of our production company. So I have drag sons. I have three drag sons, uh, but none of them are officially part of the house of God just because they don't appear in our plays right now. Not that they haven't been invited. They just haven't had the time. So they don't share my name. So they don't have God names. My drag sister, Selma, she does. Like I said, just to make it real complicated. She's my husband in drag. So my drag sister is my husband, which, like I said, complicated. Don't don't worry about that. But I do have drag sons. I have three drag sons. Biggs O'Toole, Charlie DeVille, and Slick Hardwood. 
And they are like my family. I try to get them, you know, gigs. I, I put their, their art out everywhere. I always try to get them booked. I, they, they help me out when I need it. They, I help them out when we need it. We share costumes. We, ch- we, we check in on each other to make sure that everybody's in a good place mentally and, and emotionally and physically. And it's just like family. That's fantastic. It is fantastic. Well, hopefully we can, we can get their, get their details and uh, maybe get them on the, on the podcast in the future and promote their social media handles or however we can, we can get in touch with uh, you and your kids. That'd be great. Um, Absolutely. I mean, well, just, uh, just, uh, no, actually you go, Uh, you go because my thing is a a little tie up to make sure everyone knows where to find me. But if you've got another question, go for it. Yeah, that, that was going to be my next question is where, where can people find you and, and book you and, and talk with you? I like that we're vibing. You know, we were like, we were feeling the same wavelength. We knew where this was going. <laughs> so you can find me online. My username, I have Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I'm on the TikTok, but I don't know how it works. So I've got nothing <laughs> on there, but I'm watching you. You can find me. It's all the same. U-M-A-G-A-H-D on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, You can also follow the House of God, H-O-U-S-E-O-F-G-A-H-D, all together, to know whenever we're doing stuff because I do streaming on Twitch. So I do makeup transformations on Mondays. On Wednesdays, we do video games with Selma. And on Fridays, we watch classic TV like Golden Girls and Here's Lucy. So we do all of that online, but we're also opening up very soon for lots of content. So you can find me on my socials to know when I'll be performing live. Uh, You can also contact me there for bookings. I do. I've done weddings, uh, birthday parties, bar mitzvahs, day camps. I've done story time. I've done, I listen, I'm, I'm there for you. God is everywhere. Okay. On your website, you can get your House of God t-shirts. So you guys, you can jump on there and these are amazing. (laughs) We're running out of stock, folks. So if you want them, we don't have all, we don't have everything left anymore. So you got to get on it. (laughs) That's it. Well, Uma, look, unless there's anything else uh, that you have for us, um, we're happy to let you go. And uh, Margot, do you have any final thoughts or questions for Uma? Just thanks so much for your time. It's been great. We've learned so much and yeah. we'll hope to, to get you back on and we're following you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Uma. And like I said, we'll put all the, the links to your you know social handles and, and dates coming up in our notes and look forward to getting you on again in the future. Thank you all so, so much. Wow. What an Amazing. episode, Chris. Amazing. <laughs> It was so good. Uh, it's such a fun person. Uh, oh my God. And we can't wait to uh, have her again for drag story time. And then uh, hopefully in the future with another uh, interview with her, that'd be amazing. So Jamie, I know uh, you got to fly. So we better wrap up this uh, podcast episode with a reminder to everybody about the literacy helpline promotion, uh, the helpline. So it's a free service that provides information and support for tasks that require reading, writing or digital literacy skills. And so you out there listening, uh, spread the word for people that are in need that they want to reach out to us. They can call one 521 8181 That's one 521 8181 
for assistance with the Literacy Helpline. So give us a call. And one final reminder, join us every Monday for Drag Storytime with Oh My God. You can find out the information on how to do that on in our show notes. As always, for all upcoming literacy events, check out our members' website, our website, Literacy Quebec, and our social media for updates. Always something on the go. You got it. You got it. So special thanks. Oh my God, you're amazing. Margot, you're amazing. And special mention to Peter Morgan, our intern for helping with the editing, recording and improving all the sound and requirements of video and all this jazz that we've got going on with the podcast. So thanks a lot, Peter. Yeah. Thank you so much, Peter. You were just helping us a minute ago. (laughs) So thank you. And everyone, look out for episode four of season seven in a few weeks. It's coming up and Mm -hmm. very exciting as always. In the meantime, though, subscribe. Yeah. Share our podcast. Check us out also now on YouTube. That's going to be very exciting coming up. Chris has done a fantastic promo for (laughs) this episode. And you can check out the video recording of the interview with Uma there, too. Write us at admin at literacyquebec.org. And Chris, can people send us a voicemail still? Yeah, they can still use their good old dog and bone phone, which is 514-508-6805. So that, that old thing is still available, people. But for all you new age people, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff, at Literacy Quebec handle. So check us out on that. And Jamie... That wraps it up for another day. Thank you. (laughs) Thank Thank you you so much. And we'll uh, see you all soon. See you all soon. Ciao.